I want to open up with the book of John, or, or the epistle of John, 2 John, actually. All right, yeah, that's good. I love it. 2 John, verse 8. The apostle makes this statement. Now, I want to say this. He's in his 90s when he pens these words. He said, look to yourselves. Everybody shout, look to myself. So you know immediately this message is not for the person sitting next to you. It's for you. All right, that we do not lose those things we work for. That right there I could spend an hour on, but I'm not going to focus on that part this morning. But, everybody say but. That we may receive a full reward. Everybody shout reward. How many of you know God's a rewarder? That's weak. I'm going to try it again. How many of you know God's a rewarder? I mean, how does he appear? How does he introduce himself to Abraham? He appears to this guy and goes, I'm your shield. Your exceeding great reward. (laughs) What a way to introduce yourself to somebody when you're God, right? Now, the thing that caught my attention is the fact that John just doesn't say reward. Do you notice he specifically says full reward? Now, this caught my attention one day. And I started thinking for him to specifically say full reward means what? That means there's a partial reward scenario and there is a no reward scenario. Now, isn't it interesting that John doesn't write and say, hey, live in a way that you're going to get a partial reward. (laughs) Why doesn't he say that? Because God wants you. Everybody say, God wants me to have the full reward. Now, of course, he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ where every one of us are going to be examined for how we lived our lives and used the gifts that we have to build his kingdom. Okay, but he's also talking about this life. How do I know that? Because Proverbs tells us the righteous will be rewarded in the earth. So one day I started thinking about this. I thought, what do you mean? Live in a way that you're going to get a full reward in this life. And so what I did is I started meditating on the Gospels because, you know, when you want a picture of the will of God on earth, look at the Gospels, right? You've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus says, right? So I started meditating on the Gospels in the light of this scripture, and all of a sudden as I'm meditating on the Gospels, I realized there were people in the ministry of Jesus that they received full rewards from heaven. But then I realized there were other people that got partial rewards, and there were still other people that got no reward. And the more I meditated on it, the more I realized there was a thread running through all these different scenarios, and that thread is what I want to bring to you this morning. All right, so in order to do so, let me go through some of the examples in the Gospels. I'm going to start in Mark chapter 6. In Mark 6, we got Jesus coming to a city that is actually looking for the Messiah. They are anticipating his coming. They know it's even the season of his coming. He comes to this city that is looking for the Messiah, and look what it says. It says, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, I think this is interesting. In other cities, he's opening up blind eyes, he's opening up deaf ears, he's causing crippled people to walk, he's even raising the dead. But in this city, maybe a few headaches are getting healed. Maybe a bad back or a minor case of arthritis, not near the miracles that were happening in the other cities. But what really got my attention on this verse is the fact that the Bible says he could do no mighty work. It doesn't say he wouldn't do any mighty work. I can handle that. That deals with his will. What bothered me is it said he couldn't. And the Amplified makes it even clearer. The Amplified says he was not able to do any mighty work. And I remember the day I saw this, I pushed my Bible back and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is Jesus, 
the son of the living God, the Messiah. God manifested in the flesh and he comes to a city and he's restrained. He's not able. I said, God, I got to understand what would restrain Jesus. Because if I understand what restrains Jesus, I understand what's going to restrain me. And I started praying. I said, Lord, you got to show me what would restrain Jesus. And I found the answer in the previous two verses. I, look, look what the people said. They said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, verse 4, a prophet is not without honor. Now everybody say honor. honor. Say it again. Say it a little stronger. Say honor. honor. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. What's happening here? Jesus comes to Nazareth, the city in which he's raised. It's Sabbath. The entire town is in the synagogue. Jesus walks up to the platform, grabs the scroll of Isaiah, opens it to a very familiar portion of scripture. Everybody in this synagogue knows this scripture because it speaks of the coming Messiah. And he begins to read this scripture. It's out of the scroll of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So nothing's out of the ordinary until he closes the book and drops a bomb on them and says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the Messiah. Now, when he says that, there is wrestling in the crowd. Fathers are looking at their wives going, babe, 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 what, what? This is the kid that was in Timmy's math class. Somebody else goes, honey, this kid was on Billy's football team. Some other guy looks at his wife and goes, honey, isn't this the kid that made the table and chairs in our kitchen? Now, what's happening here? These people have an image of how Messiah is going to come. And listen, listen, listen. Their image of how Messiah was going to come was developed from Old Testament scripture. Because the same prophet Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and of his kingdom there'll be no end. So they've got an image of a warring, militant, conquering Messiah coming, delivering them from Roman oppression, reestablishing the throne of David, and ruling forever and ever and ever. But when Jesus comes, as one of their hometown boys, who is on Bobby's football team, and now he's got a bunch of prostitutes and mafia following him, because the tax collectors were the mafia of the day, they go, hold it, hold it. This is not the way we expect Messiah to come. Now that tells me something right there. Many times God will send you what you need in a package you don't want. Why does he do that? Because he's God. So when Jesus doesn't come the way they expect him to come, they withhold honor from him. Everybody say honor. Now I have done an extensive amount of study on this word. I have talked to two fluent Greek-speaking ministers. I've read every concordance I can get my hands on, every Greek lexicon I can get my hands on. The Greek word for honor is the Greek word timia. Now, you would pronounce it time, but it's pronounced timi, timia. Its raw definition is this, a valuing. When you speak of the, uh, uh, timia to a Greek person, they will think of something that is valuable, something that is weighty, something that is precious, such as gold, right? 
Other definitions of this word are to appreciate, to esteem, to favorably regard, to respect. Now, sometimes we can understand what a word is by looking at what it is not. The antithesis of honor is dith, dishonor. It is the Greek word atimia. That word is defined as this, to treat as common. So I want you to think with me. The opposite of honor is to treat someone as common. To treat as ordinary, to not show respect, to not value. Now, in most of the Greek dictionaries that I have examined, or I should say the major ones, I have discovered something interesting. Honor can be displayed in action, in word, even in thought. But all true honor originates from the heart. This is why God says in Isaiah 29, verse 13, this people honors me with their lips. They draw near to me with their mouths, but their heart is far from me, and their honor towards me is taught by the precepts of men. God says, they have the actions of honor, the words of honor, even the songs of honor, but they don't have true honor because true honor originates from the heart and is an outflow of the reverential fear of the Lord. Amen? So what happens? Because these people withhold honor from Jesus, they get a small partial reward from heaven. A few bad backs get healed. A few minor cases of arthritis, but not near the miracles that were experienced in the other cities. They received a small partial reward from heaven because of one word. Everybody say the one word. Because of honor. If you go to Luke's gospel, the fifth chapter, you've got Jesus teaching in probably a very large house because the Bible says there's a multitude of teachers and ministers in this house. So there's probably a couple hundred. And the Bible says this. Now, I want you to listen carefully to me. As he taught them, the power of the Lord was there to heal them. Who is them? The teachers and the preachers. But none of them got healed. It wasn't until some men came, and because they couldn't get in, they go up to the roof, tear open the tile, and let a paralytic down on ropes. And the Bible said when Jesus saw their faith, he looks at the man who's the paralytic and said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now listen, when Jesus said, when Jesus says, man, your sins are forgiven you, the teachers and the ministers just thought this. Okay, so this is not happening. They're not going, Ralph, Ralph. Did you hear what this guy just did? No, no, Fred, to be honest with you, this is ridiculous. No, they don't do that. They just think, who is this that can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And the Bible said when Jesus knew their thoughts, he looked at him and said, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. So that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He looks at the paralytic and says, get up and walk. The guy gets up, picks up his mat and goes out. When he does it, you know what the Bible says? All the teachers were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed, but none of them got healed, even though the power of the Lord was there originally to heal them, not the paralytic. 
They receive no reward from heaven because of one reason. They dishonor Jesus just in their thinking. Thoughts count. Sure is quiet right now. I said thoughts count. Remember, honor can be displayed in action, word, and there you go. Matthew's Gospel, the eighth chapter, you've got an officer of Rome. He's a centurion. He comes to Jesus. And Jesus has got a small crowd around him, and he said, hey, hey, my servant is dreadfully tormented. Would you please heal him? Now listen, Jesus looks at this officer of Rome, says, I'll come to your house and heal your servant. The officer goes, no, 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 no. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Wait a minute, I'm not worthy? This is the conqueror speaking to the conquered. Rome conquered Israel. This is an officer of Rome speaking to a Jewish carpenter. Do you see the honor he's showing Jesus? And then he gives the reason. He says, because I also am a man under authority. And because I am submitted to authority, I have authority. And all I have to do to say, to my soldiers, do this, and they do it. All I have to do is say one word to my soldiers, and they instantly obey me, because I'm under authority. He said, and I recognize, Jesus, you are under your father's authority, and I know all you have to do is say one word, and that devil's gotta leave my servant like my soldiers instantly obey me when I say a word. Now, when Jesus hears this, the Bible says that Jesus marveled. Everybody say, Jesus marveled. Now, when Jesus marvels, that gets my attention, okay? And you know what Jesus said? He looks at the small crowd and he says, okay guys, I'm gonna tell you, I haven't found this much faith in all of Israel. Do you understand what Jesus just said? He just said, I found more faith in this Roman officer than John the Baptist. He found John the Baptist in Israel. Or I found more faith in this Roman officer than my mother Mary. Or am I, or, or am I 12? Now, we're men and women of faith around here. And we know the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I would be willing to bet and I would win this bet. This Roman officer heard far less scriptures than John the Baptist. But yet he had more faith than John the Baptist. Why? Because of the understanding of honor and authority. He received a full reward from heaven. You can run all through the Gospels and you will see the same pattern all throughout. Those who honored Jesus greatly got a full reward from heaven. I mean, a Greek woman, Jesus, in essence, called her a dog. And she honored him and said, yes, my Lord. But even the little dogs, if she would have been American, oh my gosh, he would have gotten an earful. You call me a dog? You calling me a dog? And you call your, oh, I get it. The cameras aren't here. The crowds aren't here. You're alone in this house with your disciples. How dare you insult me and call me a dog because I'm a foreign woman. You are an Thanks, I didn't have to say it. Now she looks at him and says, yes, but even little dogs eat some of the crumbs that come from their master's table. And Jesus goes, I haven't found this much faith. And he, I, I, oh, no, excuse me. Jesus said, Oh, woman, great is your faith. And that very hour, her daughter was healed. Amazing. The two greatest faith that he found were actually Gentiles. 
Now you're gonna find this all throughout scripture. You can run it through. Those who honored Jesus greatly got a full reward from heaven. Those who withheld honor got a partial reward. Those who dishonored him got nothing. You take this all the way to one week, one week before Jesus was crucified, and he makes the most amazing statement in Luke's gospel. Look at this. He said, I tell you, okay, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he or she who comes in the name of the Lord. What's he saying? I'm going away. I'm going to be crucified next week and then ascend to heaven 40 days after that. And you're not going to see me, Jesus, again until you say to the one I send you, blessed is he or she who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, I'm going away and you're not going to see me again, Jesus, until you honor the one I send you in my name. Why? Because I'm going to give you a statement he says over and over and over again in the Gospels. Look at this. He says, and this is just one of them, John 13, verse 20. He says, he who receives, now I'm going to replace the word receives with honors because they're one in the safe. He who honors whomever I send honors me, Jesus Christ. And he who honors me, Jesus Christ, honors the Father who sent me. Are you getting this? And God says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, those who honor me, I will honor them. Those who lightly esteem me, I'll lightly esteem them. How do you dishonor God? By dishonoring the person Jesus sends us, we dishonor Jesus. By dishonoring Jesus, we dishonor the Father. And the Father says, I'll lightly esteem you. Not a good idea when you need a prayer answer. All right, I'm gonna go to the beginning of his earthly ministry. That was towards the end. I'm gonna go to the beginning. Matthew 10, here it is again. He who honors you, honors me. He who honors me, honors the Father who sent me. Next verse. He who honors a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's what? Come on, shout it. What? What's the first scripture we read? See to it that you receive a full reward. You see the connection? Do you see the connection? Keep reading. And he who honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's what? Oh, keep reading. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water honors them in the name of a disciple. Assuredly, I say to you, he'll by no means lose his what? All right, what is Jesus saying here? He is identifying, listen carefully, the three levels of human beings you will ever come in contact with. Every human being you ever meet falls into one of these three categories. What are the three categories? Those who are over us, our leaders. Okay, Jesus said prophet. He's specifically teaching of church authority there, but it spans out to all the other leaders that God puts over us, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Those who are on our level, or a better way of saying it, our peers, that would be righteous persons. And those who are entrusted to our care, those are the little ones. Honoring each of these levels of authority brings a certain reward from heaven. Why? Because Jesus said, you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. And what you've done to me, you've done to the Father. And the Father shall likewise do to you. Sure is quiet right now in this Methodist church. Are you still here? All right, I wanna talk about each of these levels of authority briefly. 
and the reward that comes from each. I wanna talk about the leaders, I wanna talk about peers, I wanna talk about those entrusted to our care. Are we okay with that? Are you okay with that? Y'all getting quiet on me. Why are you getting so quiet right now? All right. First one, leaders. Jesus specifically talks about church leaders when he says prophet, but I've studied this and this spans out to the other four areas of delegated authority that God's placed over our life. Because how many of you know that God has delegated four different areas of authority over each of our lives? Let me see your hands. If you know that, put your hands up high. Oh my gosh, really? 5% of you? Seriously. Okay, we need to take a step back here and talk about this. <laughs> how many of you know the Bible says all authorities of God? Really, I need an answer right now because I, I, I got to go to another scripture if you don't get it. Romans chapter 13. The Bible says that all authority is of God. Now, I'm going to tell you why you're not going amen so loud, okay? Because a lot of people don't like that scripture and they kind of read over it really fast. Let me tell you why you don't like that scripture, because you've had mean, cruel, dishonest authorities in your life probably, right? Let me say this. The Bible says all authority is of God. The Bible does not say all authority is godly. The authorities from God, the behavior sometimes is not. Matter of fact, many times is not. I have found that Americans are some of the hardest people on the globe to preach the gospel to. Seriously, I've been in over 60 countries and Americans are the hardest people. You wanna know why? The reason's fundamental. We are a people, listen, we, we are a people trying to understand kingdom principles with a democratic mindset. Okay, democracy is great for America, but the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's actually a kingdom and it actually has a dictator. Thank God he's benevolent and good, but he is a dictator. And he's not a figurehead king like the woman in England. He's actually a real king. There is rank, order, and authority in his kingdom. And if you try to relate with God, with your democratic mindset, you and God will be on two different playing fields. And this is why you got Christians criticizing government officials, speaking bad about government officials, refusing to pray for government officials, is because our minds are not renewed. I, I remember, I remember I was in a, uh, I, I remember when President Clinton was elected as President of the United States, I was depressed for three days. And three days later, God said, nobody gets into office without me knowing about it. And I went over to Romans and I, and I went over to Romans and I found out the Bible says, the Bible says, all authority is of God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And I went, oh my gosh. That's right. So now I'm traveling America and pastors are telling me, watch this guy, he's got a wild tie, he's got a suit on, and he's bashing the liberal agenda. And he's hilarious. And I'm, all these leaders are telling me, church leaders, I'm like, who is this guy? So I'm in California. I've been hearing about this guy for seven, eight months. And I remember coming out of the conference in California and I went to my hotel room and I'm flipping through looking for headline news. And all of a sudden there's a guy with a suit on with a wild tie. And I thought, maybe this is the guy. Maybe it's the guy. And I start listening, and sure enough, he is absolutely bashing President Clinton and the liberals. Amen. I'm thought, oh, this is the guy. So I, I put my sweatsuit on, I jump up on my bed, kick my feet up, and I'm ready. And I listen, I'm listening to this guy for 20 minutes. I'm laughing hysterically. I'm like, he's hilarious, right? 
But the whole time I'm laughing, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. And finally, it gets so bad, the yuck in my gut, I, I'm muted. And I said, Holy Spirit, what's wrong? And this is what I heard. I heard a voice so strong in me. And the voice said, don't speak against the ruler of your people. Acts 23, verse 5. I went, oh my goodness. And then the Holy Spirit said, go through the New Testament and find out everything I said that you're to do with leaders. And I go through the whole New Testament and I realize that God says, give thanks for them. Make intercession for them. Pray for them. Don't speak against them. And I thought, oh my goodness. Now don't get me wrong, I wasn't mad at the guy with the tie. I just saw him as a good old boy who needed Jesus. I was upset at all the leaders because two wrongs have never made a right. Our sin of speaking against our rulers instead of praying for them and giving thanks for them and not speaking against them. Our sin is not justified by their behavior. Amen. Good preaching, John, amen. Thank you so very much. So let's read about civil authorities. Romans chapter 13, verse three. For rulers, civil authorities are not to be feared by those who do good, but by those who do evil. Because they are God's servants. Everybody say, God's servants. God's servants. Working for your own good. Hey. I'll never forget, I'm, I'm in a gym in Colorado Springs, I'm working out, and there's this man and woman working out next to me, and the woman looks like she could break me in two. And they're working out, and I just start a conversation, I just talk to people, and I, I said, hey man, how you doing? Hi, hey, hey, what's going on? You know, and then we're talking away. Well, I find out 10 minutes in the conversation, he's a policeman, she's a policewoman in Colorado Springs. And I just looked at him and I said, man, the respect that I have in my heart for you two is enormous. I said, because the Bible says that you're God's servants. Amen. The policeman goes, Dude, what did you say? What did you just say? I said, the Bible in Romans 13 says that you are God's servant. He said, it says that? I said, yes. He said, I'm tattooing that scripture right on my back. <laughs> so two weeks later, he's in there working out again. He pulls up his t-shirt and there's Romans 13 tattooed on his back. I said, man, thank God he's got it. Okay, I hope he's saved, but he's got that part, okay? Now watch this. That is why you pay taxes, verse, verse six. That is why you pay taxes, because the authorities are working for God. Stop right there. What does that mean? The next time you're 15 miles over the speed limit, you see red and blue lights flashing in your rearview mirror. Don't bind the devil. He's not working for the devil. He's working for God. That's when you pray for mercy. Good preaching, amen, thank you very much. Because the authorities are working for God when they fulfill their duties. Pay them what you owe them. Pay them your personal and property taxes. Now look at this. And show, re I'm on verse seven, guys. You gotta stay up with me. You're way, there you go. Pay them what you owe them. Pay them your personal and property taxes and show respect and what? Shout it. Now watch, keep reading. For all the nice ones. All of them? Wait a minute, John, we're supposed to honor and respect a corrupt leader? Well, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. 1 Peter 2, 17 says, fear God, honor the king. Do you know what Peter's saying? How can you say you fear God and you don't see when you can't respect the person that he's placed his authority on that you do see? Boy, that got a lot of rousing response. 
Do you know who the king is Peter's historically writing about here? I know, maybe we got some ORU professors in here. Go look it up. You know who the king is? Herod Agrippa I. Who was King Herod Agrippa I? He was the king of Judea who was murdering Christians in cold blood just to get political favors and push his agenda. How in the world are you supposed to honor a king who is killing? And you know who wrote this is Peter. And you know who this king cut, cut? Do you know who he killed? He cut off James' head. One of two of Peter's closest friends. He cut his head off so he could further his political agenda. Now, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris haven't done that yet. To my knowledge. Okay? So, this is a far worse leader, more corrupt leader than any leader we have in the United States presently, maybe. Maybe. And yet he commands us to honor him. How in the world do we do that? Okay? Listen, we honor the position, not the behavior. Okay, let, let me make this clear. In America, this is what we say to leadership. You have to earn my respect. Hmm? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the fear of the Lord doesn't judge by the seeing of the eye or hearing of the ear. It judges according to righteous judgment. So the fear of the Lord doesn't say to a leader, you have to first earn my respect. The fear of the Lord says this, I see the position you hold, therefore you already have my respect because I honor your position, not your behavior. That's a good place to go. I'm telling you, it's a rough time right now and I'm trying to help you navigate in a rough time. Because right now, it's easy to go with the crowd, it's easy to go with social media and blast everybody. I am trying to show you how a godly man, a godly woman who fears God and really walks in truth behaves in a corrupt society. Because Rome was a lot more corrupt than what we have. Thanks, sister, I will. All right, let's move to family authority. Maybe this one will make you happy. Honor your father and mother which is the first suggestion with a promise. What? Oh, commandment, excuse me. Which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you. The reward's actually attached to this command. Number one, that it might be well with you. And number two, that you'll live a long life. I can't think of two better rewards. A long life and a successful life. God says, you honor your parents. That's what he promises you. You have a covenant promise of God that you can say to cancer, get out of this household. I have honored my mom and dad and I will live long and I will be successful. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me like, where's this guy coming from? <laughs> Tennessee, actually heaven. But anyway, um, <laughs> there are certain movies. I, I shared this with the earlier service. There are certain movies. You see those four boys that I showed you a picture of? All of them work with our ministry for at least nine years. We try to push them away, they won't go. They just love us, okay? I mean, I actually had my son who was a manager at Apple and he dropped his resume on the desk and said, this is why I wanna work for Messenger International. We said, we'd really, you'd rather keep working for Apple so we can learn their secrets. And he said, no, I wanna work for you. So he's been working for us for years now. But anyway, when they were toddlers, everybody say toddlers. There were certain G-rated movies I forbid them to watch. 
Now I'm talking G, not PG. These G movies are put out by the company in Orlando in LA, okay? Are we all on the same page? Why did I forbid my boys to watch these G movies? Because the kids in the movies talked so dishonorably to their parents all through the movie. Then they got the reward at the end of the movie they were after like the dog, the monkey, or the car. I said, forget it. You're not watching these movies. I would rather you watch movies with righteous killing in it because that's all over the Bible, the Old Testament at least, than these movies. The righteous killing movies should be rated R. These should be rated X. Some of you are looking at me like, where do you get that from? I'll tell you where I get it from. Deuteronomy 27, verse 16 said, cursed. Now, if your neighbor says you're cursed, big deal. God says you're cursed. That's a bad day. (laughs) Cursed is he who dishonors his father and mother, and all the people shall say. Sure is quiet here. Let's go to the next one. Maybe you get happy on this one. All right. Social authorities, let as many as their servants, students, employees, athletes, under the yoke, count their own masters, teachers, bosses, coaches, worthy of some honor. I'm I'm playing a $200 million golf course. It's a private course in Florida. There are no members of this golf course. It's right on the coast of Atlantic Ocean. It's a $200 million golf course. One of the nicest clubhouses I've ever seen in my life. There's no members. Want to know why there's no members? It's one guy's golf course. He has 36 people that just take care of the grounds for his personal golf course. I mean, Bob Greasy was in the group behind me. Uh, Jim Leland, the coach of Detroit Tigers for years, was in the table next to me next to lunch. Next to him was Tom Brokoff, okay? So I'm playing this course with the guy who manages the 36 groundsmen that take care of this guy's personal golf course. And he's a Christian. And I'm getting ready to hit a shot, and I backed up, and I said, Alan, his name was Alan. I said, Alan, you need to take care of this golf course as if Jesus owns it. He goes, What? I said, you need to pretend this golf course is owned by Jesus. He said, where do you get that? I said, the Bible says that you are to serve your bosses, not as men pleasers, but as unto the Lord. He goes, oh my gosh, it does. He said, that totally changes the way I'm gonna take care of this golf course. I said, good, you got it. And we kept playing and I beat him that day. That was a good day, okay? (laughs) All right, let's go to the next one, church authority. I gotta move because I think I'm running out of time. You okay with me? Can I go? Can I go a little longer? It's all right? Okay, good. Church authority. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Now he's talking about church authority. Two of my greatest heroes in the faith, T.L. Osborne. Anybody remember him? Come on. T.L. Osborne is one of my great, great heroes. You know, back in 1987, when Lisa and I almost went to work for T.L. and Daisy, at that time, they had already led 62 million people to Jesus, mostly in their crusades in Africa. I remember I, 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 I went to Brother Osborne because we were close. <laughs> we, we, we were the same size, so he, he gave me his outfits. I used to run around with his outfits on saying, wow, backwards, you know? Uh, but anyway, those of you who remember TL, you know what I'm talking about. But um, Billy Joe and Sharon were very close with TL and Daisy. And uh, I went to Brother Osborne. I said, Brother Osborne, in your crusades in Africa, because he'd have anywhere from 300 to 500,000 people in one crusade. I said, in your crusades, did deaf, did deaf ears open up? He said, oh, John, hundreds, hundreds. I said, blind eyes open? He said, scores of blind eyes. Crippled people that never walked, did they walk? He's, oh, yeah. So then my other hero, Reinhard Bunke, I'm having lunch with him in Germany. I said, Reinhard, because he, he saw 22 million people come to the Lord just in Nigeria. I, his crusades, I said, do, do, do you see deaf ears open? He goes, oh, yeah, 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 brother, brother. Oh, man, he went off. 
scores, hundreds, yeah. I said, do you see blind eyes? Said, yeah, brother, woo, he's winning. I said, do you see crap people walk? Yeah, and then he started telling me about the person raised from the dead. And he's going on and on and on. I got him all excited, right? Now look at these two heroes of mine. They see hundreds of these miracles in Africa. They come to the United States. Same man, same message, same anointing. In their meetings in America, a few headaches get healed. A bad back, a minor case of arthritis. Why? One word, honor. honor. Not insurance, honor. I've been to some of these nations in the Middle East, Africa. Sometimes it almost scares me the way they treat me. It really does. I mean, I, I got done preaching to, uh, I, I'll never forget, I got done preaching to uh, 3,000 senior pastors. I, actually, Billy Joe and I, we both went there, but he was on a different year. And, 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 and it was, it was, it was, it was 3,000 pastors from 18 nations in Africa. And I'll never forget this. And, 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 and I remember I'm getting ready to eat and the person serves me a meal and walks away. And the leader goes, do you see who just served your meal? I said, yeah. He said, that person's the head of the CIA of the entire nation. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. They just served my meal? And then he looked at me and he said, aren't you the man of God? And all of a sudden I thought, whoa, wait a minute, we don't get it. We just don't get it. We've confused honor and worship. Forever and ever and ever, we'll worship only our Lord Jesus Christ and our Father, right? But forever and ever and ever, we'll give honor to whom honor's due because God loves honor. Forever and ever, I will honor my mom and dad. Forever and ever. Because God loves honor. I, I, go to, I, 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 I preach to 10,000 people in Mombasa, Kenya. I come out of the meeting. They bring me into a room. They put me in a chair. It looks like a throne. I'm like, Really? And then these three women come up. One's got a basin, one's got a pitcher, one's got a towel. And I'm like, what are they here to do? And the leader says, they're here to wash your hands before you have lunch. And I'm like, I can wash my own hands. And the Holy Spirit inside of me said, don't you dare not let them do this. So they wash my hands. See, here's the deal. <laughs> they get their blind eyes open. We get our headaches healed. Wisdom's justified by your children. I've gone to churches and preached. The first time I ever preached in Hillsong, London. The way they, they treated me, I was, I, was like, I was like a little nervous. Can we do this? Can we do that? I, I, I felt like getting my iPhone and saying, no, thank you. So I wouldn't have to say no, thank you so many times. I mean, I thought they were going to ask me if they could wash my underwear. They were that helpful, Right. I mean, I walk into my room. I could live on the stuff in my room for a month. I got so many gifts, so many things. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I go and I preach. And you know what? For the next four months, they called, net four months later, they called our office and said, we turned the corner. Our church has been so changed. Now, wait a minute. One week later, I go to a big church in America. I preach the exact same message. I never hear from them again. Why? honor. Same messenger, same anointing. See, to some of you, Pastor Paul Dari's the kid that grew up in the church. You're not getting much, are you? Let's be honest. But you've been here so long, you just keep coming. Well, maybe if you respected him as the man that God has placed his hand on. If you keep seeing, hey, 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 quiet, my time's going up. If you keep seeing him as, if you keep seeing as the kid that went to Victory High School, 
who grew up in our midst, you're not going to get a whole lot from heaven. Sorry. Sorry. You can just waste your time and sit in here and get nothing from heaven. You're getting your no reward scenario. Congratulations. Some of you, you know, like, well, you got a little bit of honor for him. You're like the people in Nazareth. Well, you know, he is still a kid, you know. Well, you're getting a partial reward. This is part B of this morning. Still here? All right, I got to move on because I'm running out of time. Let's go to our peers because I got to spend a little time on the peers, okay? Oh my gosh, there's so much I'm missing. All right, let's read, let's read Jesus' words again. And he who honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's what? Now Jesus is talking about our peers. Everybody say peers. One quick story. This will illustrate this. I'm in southern Florida. I'm speaking Friday night for a conference. This man walks up to me after the, the, the conference, and he's dressed really sharp. You can tell he's well off. And he goes, Mr. Bevere, can I just have five minutes of your time? I said, sure. He said, you know, I own a company that we make custom specialized fountains for. And he said, we do it for landscaping companies. We do it for businesses. We do it for private homes. We'll literally make a custom fountain. I said, oh, cool. All right. And he said, There's a, the, the largest landscaping company in Southern Florida owed my company $117,000. And he said, John, for us at that time, it was a lot of money. And he said, they weren't paying the bill. And I knew they had the money. And past due was way past due. And they just weren't paying. He said, I got angrier and angrier. And he said, I'm bad-mouthing that company to my employees. I'm bad-mouthing them to my family. And he said, then I heard you preach on honor. And he said, boy, did God deal with me. And he said, when I heard that message, I repented before God in that service. And he said, I went home and I told my family, I have been sinned the way I'm talking about that company. I went to all my employees. I said, I have sinned the way I've talked about the company. From now on, we will not speak evil of that company. Okay, whoa, whoa. So he said, then I drove down and met with the owner of the company. And he said, he said, I don't think he was saved. <laughs> and he said, the guy's sitting there, I'm sitting across the desk. And he said, I said to him, I said, you know, you owe my company $117,000, you're past due, but what happened is I became critical of you. And I'm here to apologize because I have been critical. And I wanna I want show you I really mean what I say. You pay that whenever you want, or you, you, here's what I really want you to do. You pay what you feel our work was worth to you, and you can pay it whenever you want it. So he said, I got up and left. He said, one week later, I got a check for $11,000. They owed him one hundred and seventeen. dollars they sent him $11,000. So see, honor doesn't work. Forget everything I said. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and he's got this look on his face and I said, and? He said, John, two weeks later, we got the largest job our company's ever gotten, a two and a half million dollar job. Then, whoa, whoa, he didn't stop. And he said, four weeks after that, he said, we got a seven million dollar job. you know what I've learned? The greatest rewards from heaven have come into my life when I've honored those who have dishonored me. Amen. Jesus said, you love those, you honor those who honor you. What reward do you get? Gang members do the same. The greatest reward comes when you honor those who dishonor you. Sure is quiet. All right, let me, let me finish. Can I finish here? All right, let's go to the last one. Now we're talking about 
those who are entrusted to our care, right? Now Jesus is talking about what? Our wives, our children, our employees, our students, our workers, right? Can I tell you, I could talk for another hour of the rewards I've received in honoring our staff members, in honoring my wife, in honoring my children. You know, the Bible says, husbands, listen, husbands, honor your wives as the weaker vessel. That doesn't, weaker doesn't mean she's beneath you. It only means, and it all, all this means is that she can't bench press as much as you. That's all it means. She's an heir together in the grace of life. In fact, guys, do you know what the Bible says? If you don't honor your wife, it says heaven will not listen to your prayers. Hey, John, can I pray for you? <laughs> no, thanks. Heaven's not listening to you right now. Why do I want to waste our time? Because I see the way you treat your wife. That's right. I watched the husband rubbing his wife's leg. I'm like, oh, there you go. Come on. I have fun with honoring my wife. I rub her feet every night for 40 minutes when we're home. She loves it, man. She loves it. Well, what does she do for you? Nothing. <laughs> she doesn't rub my feet. I don't ask her to rub my feet. I want to rub her feet. Because I want the reward. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm jo I am joking on that one, okay? Except I do rub her feet for 40 minutes every night. It goes down to the waiter, waiter and the rate. Do, do you know, do you know? Every time I go into a restaurant, I say to the waiter, what's your name? I don't go, I want this, 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 this. Thanks, wasn't it a great service today? Pastor Paul was amazing. No, I go, what's your name? How are you doing today? And then I leave him a really big tip. One time I left a 50% tip because I wanted them to know that they were special. Do you know every, you know how much I travel. I've flown over 12 million miles, right? Every TSA officer I make eye contact with, I say, thank you for what you do. And you should see the response. Oh, thanks. We appreciate your support. They're shocked because they're always yelled at by people. And if they do their job well, nobody says anything. Come on, I'm still, are you listening? You know my favorite, favorite grocery store is Whole Foods. Aaron Badley is a professional golfer, one of my close friends. We were walking through Whole Foods in our town and he said, does everybody in this store know you? I said, yeah, probably. They don't know I'm a preacher. They don't know I write books. They just know me because I've talked to them. Like Richard in the meat department, uh, I, I found out he liked a special cheese that was like $30 a pound. So I, I bought a half a pound of it. I brought it to him and said, hey, Richard, take this home and have it with your wife tonight. He's looking at me like, Dude, are you serious? Yeah, enjoy it. Amen. Amen. One, one time, you know, this happened. A couple checkout lanes going. The girl goes, "Oh man, that's great." Oh, hold on, Rhonda, can you just hold it just for run and get another one? Buy it, hand it to her, and say, "Enjoy it for lunch." Are you kidding? This one girl in Whole Foods, she, she, I always, I always went to her lane because, because she didn't have, there, there was no except for this part of her face, there was no Caucasian skin visible. She had color tattoos in every part of her seen body, okay? And she had about 15 piercings. And her hair was like five different colors. It was like fluorescent yellow, bright red, purple, you know, in, in a rainbow, right? And I always went to her line. And, and I always always say things. Like one time I was going through her line, I said, oh, your hair looks amazing today. She goes, oh, thanks so much. 
I said, how can you tell me how do you keep the bright red from bleeding into the fluorescent yellow? And she said, let me tell you. And she told me the whole process, right? And, and I'm like, oh man, that's great. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, one time I was in a hurry and I couldn't go through her line because her line was long. So I went to a different line. She got so upset. She shut down her line. She came down right as I was getting leaving. And she goes, John. I said, yes. She said, my grandmother died last week. I said, I said I'm so sorry. She said, so I've got to leave Colorado Springs and move to Denver and live with my, my grandfather. And she said, do you know what I'm going to miss in Colorado Springs more than anything else? I said, what? She said, you, your wife, and your sons. And she started crying. I'm like, I gave her some books because she was ready. Because I loved her. I honored her. I treated her as valuable, as precious, as weighty. <clears throat> Jesus didn't have to protest in the streets. Isaiah said he didn't do it. You will not hear his voice in the streets. Want to know why? Because he honored people. And that drew the crowds. And we think we're going to make a change in the way people are treated by protesting in the streets, by what? By, by bashing government and speaking critically and getting on social media and saying, we deserve to be treated this way or you deserve to be treated this way. And I'm like, you just don't get it, do you? Your discipleship has come from social media, not from the scripture. Paul said that about the Corinthian church. You guys act just like an unsaved person. Why do we honor to get a reward? Never, never. We honor that person because we, we, listen, because we know that God paid the highest price in the whole universe for that one human being. That's how valuable they are to God. Did you get something out of this today? Did you get something out of this today? I said, did you get something out? Okay. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place, Father, no, let me thank God. Father, thank you for what you've given to us. I'm so grateful. Lord, you're amazing. You're awesome. I'm asking you now, draw men and women to Jesus. <clears throat> you're in this place. You say, John, I have not treated men, women, and children whether it's authorities, whether it's peers, whether it's those entrusted in my care, I've not treated them with the value, the honor that you've talked about today. My heart was just rent as you were talking. I couldn't wait till you were done because I want to make it right. Listen, he is so quick to forgive. He's so quick to restore. If you're in here this morning, you say, John, I have not valued men, women, and children the way you have talked about this morning, the way the scripture speaks about, but I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to treat them with value. I'm willing to honor them the way God honors them. Then I want you to stand up. If that's you, if you say, I'm willing to repent, stand up right now. If that's you. Say, I have not been honoring the way you talked about, and I'm willing to repent and ask God to give me that honor in my heart. I'm so proud of you. That's why I love this church so much. You're so teachable. The greatest way I can honor you is that if you're in here this morning and you don't have a relationship with our creator, you can have one before you leave. I'm so sorry that some people have made it as simple as just praying a formula prayer. It's not that simple. 
The Bible says that Jesus is the groom and we're the bride. And Paul the apostle writes that a man leaves his father and mother is joined unto his wife, the two become one. He said, but this is actually an illustration of the way the church and Jesus are one. When a bride walks down an aisle of a church and she's gonna get married to a guy, she's made a pretty important decision. She said goodbye to about 3.9 billion guys. She said, and this is the one and only man I'm giving my entire heart and life to. I don't think any guy would marry a girl if the girl said, hey, can I just have two nights a month I can jump in bed with my old boyfriends? I don't think there would be a wedding. A marriage covenant is when two people give everything they have for each other. They give their entire lives to each other. Jesus did it first, he's the groom. He left what we can't even imagine. And he came here to be, and he knew it would happen, to be despised, to be rejected, to be spit on in his face, to be punched in his face, to have his beard plucked out, to have thorns shoved into his skull, to be whipped on his back 39 lashes with wet lead tip whips that literally split open skin like a warm knife through butter, and then finally, to have nails pounded in his hands and feet and drop and, 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 and lose every drop of blood in his body. I would say he gave himself completely to you. The question is, are you going to give your heart completely to him? Because I have news for you. He's not coming back for a bride that's only given him 80% of her heart. A bride that says, I still wanna keep my idols. You have to break up with every boyfriend that offends Jesus, and you have to give him your entire life. That's the only way you can have a relationship. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't wanna give you a superficial prayer, and then you, and then you serve a counterfeit Jesus who doesn't exist, who doesn't answer prayers, who doesn't manifest his presence, who doesn't keep his, prom keep his promises. I'm not doing that to you. The only way you can be saved, the only way is to give your life to him the way he gave it to you. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand up, even if you're standing, or I want you to stand up if you're sitting. Stand up right now. If you say, I want a relation, I'm ready to give everything to him. Stand up. Oh, wow, this is beautiful. Stand to your feet right now. Can I pray for both groups of people right now? Is that okay? I want you to say these words out loud. If you're sitting, I want you to pray with all the people that are standing. I want you to say this out loud. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, forgive me. Come on, say it out loud and mean it. For living life my way, <clears throat> apart from you, my creator. But today that's all changing. I repent of this behavior. This day, I give my spirit, soul, and body, everything I am, everything I have, to you, Jesus. Jesus, you are now my Lord. You're my king forever. And my life is totally yours. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for cleansing me. And thank you for living in me by your spirit. And now, Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for treating men, women, and children as common, for not valuing them. I repent of that today. Today, I ask that you would put true honor in my heart, that I would love and honor men, women, and children the way you honor and love men, women, and children. I'm asking that you would give me this honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's give him praise.